0: we are starting a series on what the bible says about believers and their money and possessions Um, so today we're just going to kind of lay some groundwork at first Um, so this is just going to be some basic basic stuff first of all to kind of frame our discussion as we go from here Um, so what is the first when i if i talk about what does the bible say about money and possessions what's the first thing you would think of we're called to be what Good stewards. Good stewards, okay? Yeah, that's what uh, pretty much everyone thinks of. That's what I think of. So I'm going to show you a brief video, and then we're just going to talk about it for a couple of minutes, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts. You. Moments with Tom Copeland. Christian stewardship
1: is acknowledging in heart and mind that God owns everything, and using money and material things in accordance with God's principles and God's will. To accomplish this, we should do three things. First, habitually spend time with the Lord in prayer, asking for God's wisdom in managing money. Two, study and meditate on God's word with regard to finances. In Joshua one God instructs us, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. With more than 2,000 references in the Bible to money, there's lots of wisdom. Three, manage money according to God's will and trust God to meet your needs and to direct you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths.
0: Okay, so what did you guys notice? And what was good? What was did you think was not so good? Well, I've, I've, I appreciate his... Um,
2: that he had mentioned that the
0: importance of the word as it applies to that subject. Good, good. Yeah, he does uh, bring up scriptural passages. What else? Good, bad, the other, or just something you notice? Do we? Are we supposed to have our hands like this when we read scripture? Like oh yeah. no! <laughs> Sorry. That's a nice, proper accountant the other option well he
1: kind of just he's just sending you off to of the scriptures to figure it out mm-hmm. which is okay but some of us need a little more direction yeah.
0: how much engagement did he have with scripture I know it's only like a minute long but
1: other how, than just throwing out quotes not really anything
0: so he didn't really engage with it no
1: Yeah.
0: So, and he asserted that um, as believers we are to be good stewards of God's money and this is the generally assumed term that this is what god calls us to do with our money our money and stewardship if you look on your sheet you have a definition there that stewardship means the conduct i got this from uh webster's dictionary uh, stewardship means the conducting supervising or managing of something the careful and response or the careful and responsible management of someone something entrusted to one's care so this is the Obviously the topic that we all think of when we talk about money and possessions. However, this terminology, if you look at your first blank, is unbiblical for this discussion of money and possessions, at least in relation to God and you, God and your possessions. Um, that So his three points are valid. I actually really appreciate it, That you do need to spend time with God. You do need to study the scriptures um, on what God says and what, how to handle finances wisely, which is hopefully what we'll do over the next six weeks. Um And what was his last one? I totally forget. His last one was also about, I remember that. Oh, and ask God for wisdom to use his money according, or money according to his purposes, and that he'll provide. Um, Those are all good points. However, it's still framed wrong, so a paradigm shift is needed um, when discussing specific biblical topics. So we need to discuss, or begin our discussions based on biblical terminology. So, If we're going to assert that this is the biblical view of money, we need to actually use what the Bible is saying about this stuff and understand why it uses certain terminology. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to first demonstrate the problems of this, what's called the stewardship paradigm. So reading the scriptures with the idea of God wants us to be good stewards of our our money and possessions. But then we'll show what's kind of problematic about that and then propose a better biblical understanding, which is partnership. Um, and then we'll, that's what we'll do tonight. So, what does the Bible actually say about you and your money and your possessions? Um, I'm using yours specifically because he mentioned that God owns everything. In a later lesson, we'll talk about, yes, God owns everything, but you own things too. So, we'll talk about that too. So, there is your, your ownership, so I'll go with that assumption, and we'll talk about that in later weeks. So, um, the first, one of the first problems with the stewardship paradigm is that the discussion of money and possession is managed by this term stewardship um, it dominates both religious and or secular cultures context for some reason this term has now been used um, in even non-believing non-usual following context just the greater community with finances talks about being a good steward of your money so it's kind of um, been twisted in that way that it's now become secular and anthropocentric. Oh. Right?
2: Anthropocentric,
0: which just means man-centered. i don't right. know. Yes, you're. If you have any questions or so partnership,
2: right? Yes. partnership.
1: Yeah.
0: Let me know or, if you need, me, you need me to answer, back up for so Then.
1: Did you already answer number one? Stewardship yeah. dominates. Uh, in discussion
0: Today's it's managed by this term, and that oh, was magic. a little bit. Get it yeah, a little didn't
1: bit. Get
2: to the next one, yeah.
0: Where did
2: I get religious or
0: secular? You're just going smaller. You're just going one fucking step that's a Roman numeral or I one. So Stewart Ship dominates the discussion, whether religious or secular. Yeah, just, I know. Yeah. I heard it. No, you're, you're right. right? right? Gotta, just I let me let me know if you need me to slow down. Yes. Uh, managed, uh, okay. and that's a little bit of a pun. Get it? Because steward is a manager. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so its its usage has often become secular in this yeah. word, anthropocentric, which just means that it's centered on people. It's centered on man. It's centered specifically in our day and age in American culture on the individual. And often, as you see here, stewardship is claimed to. Um, be the biblical term, and there's many websites out there or books out there that advocate that they have the biblical view of money and possession. But, they don't, like you said, they just kind of throw out quotes. Look at what this verse says about money. Look at this, what verse says about possessions. But really, all they do is just throw those out. They don't really engage with Scripture. It's like, well, what is he really saying? What is this saying in context? What does this really mean? What is this biblical terminology really being used? So, this, it kind of gives a—it's a slight distortion of Scripture, and it also gives the false impression that money and possessions is a major and important subject of the Scriptures, which actually isn't true. He said that there are two thousand quotes in Scripture, verses in Scripture about money and possessions. If you go to the well-known Christian uh, money management guy Dave Ramsey's website, he says there are eight hundred. There's so we have one guy who's well known saying eight hundred. This guy's saying two thousand. And to be honest, I don't really remember what the number is, but mm-hmm. both of them are off. It's not that high. There's it has a lot of wisdom about money and possessions, but it's not that major of a theme. It's important, but it's not this overarching theme that you see come up all the time. Um so it's not so What was four? What was four? False impression. Any questions so far? No, I'm guessing. Yep. Yeah any type of reference to money whatsoever that they might be using, even if it doesn't really... Just a yeah. word, for instance, that's there and having no necessarily way to to give us insight into money management necessarily. Or oh, type. yeah, they and might... They, so that's what they're, I'm guessing, maybe yeah, they're doing. They're... they're, you, they're it's their attempt to use scripture is admirable, it's just lacking. So, these guys, uh, people like Dave Ramsey, will give very good financial advice, so feel free to listen to them, but their discussion and engagement with scripture is subpar. And if we want to understand what the Bible says about a topic, we have to start on the Bible's terms. So, if we're asserting that stewardship is the framework, and it's not, that's as, it's kind of a distortion of scripture, that um, if you move to little, uh, Roman numeral two, um, for starting at one, it or related words, uh, in trust or entrust do not relate to God and us, um, regarding money and possessions. Um, when you have a paradigm such as like stewardship, you look for related words. Stewards are entrusted or trusted with people's possessions, with people's stuff. But in scripture, it nowhere says that God has trusted you with your money or trusted you with possessions. Um, we'll, we'll go through some common examples where people will cite that. And that's not actually the case, um, that none of these words show up. You do have stewards show up, but they're literal managers of people's possessions, They're not um, God has entrusted money and possessions. So they're like
1: a third party.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go through that and see that. And we'll see that you are a steward, but not of money and possessions. Okay? Um, and the problem, as we'll see later, is that it distorts the meanings of certain passages and min- misunderstands certain texts. That if we want to truly understand how the Bible um, speaks into our lives today, we need to know what the original message of the Bible is. We need to know what the one meaning of the text is and then figure out how it applies to us. Make sense? Any questions so far?
2: I just have a question because I missed the first few minutes. Okay. Who you, you keep on referring to... He is, you refer to someone like he. Who are you? Oh, we
0: showed a video of okay. a guy named Tom Toplin. I might pick on him later. And just, okay, I just want to know who you're chasing. Okay. But he, he just cites the, he's an example of asserts like, God told us to be stewards of our money. It assumes that God owns everything, and we're just managing his stuff, which we'll show later, is kind of true, kind of not, because God owns everything, but we own things too. Well, Steve, um, this is really good. And then he asserts that we should use our money according to God's plan and God's will, which is true. So it's not all bad. We just want to refocus the study to lay the groundwork to start on the Bible's terms and then go from there and see what the Bible really says. So this is what this first week is, just kind of laying the groundwork. Okay? One of the most prominent examples of this is 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2. We'll look at that later, but um, we're just going to... Uh, groundwork here first so literal Roman numeral 3 it focuses too much on the individual this idea of stewardship focuses too much on the individual and the vertical as in money and possessions are just between God and me I have to give back to God Um, God has blessed me with this it's very individualistic so the relationship can I erase this So the relationship that stewardship presents worship, presents is this. That's pretty much all the stewardship paradigm includes. It's me and God and everything he's given me or entrusted to me. Though... It neglects Scripture's discussion about money and horizontal relationships. So, obviously, what's missing from this discussion?
2: The rest of the world.
0: Everybody else. (laughs) A lot of what Scripture talks about is our obligation with our money and possessions to other people, specifically to other people within our own community. Um, If you look at a lot of the laws in the Torah, it's an in-house discussion. It's an in-family discussion. So how do we care... For the poor or the less fortunate among us um, so it neglects that observation so uh, I was talking with, with somebody about this recently about how this isn't uh, the stewardship paradigm isn't introduced and he says well what about Genesis 1 and 2 so this is the next page. The steward in the Tanakh.
1: Wait
0: wait, wait. what was 5? 4. It's money and horizontal relationships. Oh. It's about money and horizontal relationships? So, steward in the Tanakh. Its main usage is actually pretty much when it's used this the, you know, Hebrew word that's translated as steward. When it's used, it's very literal. It's an overseer. It's somebody who gets appointed to manage somebody else's uh, resources. It's exactly what what we think of it in this day and age, but it's only used for man-to-man relationships. It's never used from God to us. So when I was talking to somebody recently, they brought up, well, what about, doesn't Genesis 1 and 2 establish this? How many of you thought that when I first brought this up, that, God, that we are supposed to be good stewards of creation, that God has entrusted creation to us. Is that, do, you, do you think that that's true? Yes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people do. And, but if we're going with the stewardship paradigm, none of the wor- if we're starting in the Bible's terms, none of the words that appear are associated with this stewardship occur here. Um, that's your number two. Is uh, none, none of the words occur here it doesn't say God entrusted the earth to them no. or trusted the care of the earth to them um, or said they're, you're stewards of, of my creation um, How creation does seem, so this is B creation does seem to be for their blessing and enjoyment now does this mean we can do whatever we want to the earth? why not? This is just free range. Sorry, it belongs to God, and it's good. I don't know. It belongs to God, and it's good. That's, that's true. We want to
1: enjoy it for too long. We want to enjoy it for too long. That's a good reason.
0: Because um, if, if you look at the creation narratives, God repeats over and over that it was good, and that he blessed it. And um, so and He, uh, my professor for this class I took brought up how, like, look how many different types of apples alone there are. I mean, God clearly just wanted to bless humanity. Like, he used the word God wanted to spoil us, and still wants to spoil us. I mean, there's no reason there should be an absurd amount of fruit in the word, except that God loves us and wanted us to enjoy his creation. Um, though, we are, as we are made in God's image, we are like co-regents, co-rulers over the earth, and we are God's representatives on the earth, so we're doing God's work on the earth. And Is God completely done with creation? Did he just give it and said, all right, take care of this for me? No. What does he do? Did you just give us the answer here? To which one? Oh, no, I haven't yet. No, I haven't. Um, That God still interacts with creation, God still works in creation, should show that we're not just entrusted with creation. But this doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want to creation, because... This is where the idea of partnership starts to come in. Since we are made in God's image and co, God has given us dominion over the earth, along with him as he is above all, and he owns everything at the same time we are the we are given dominion over the earth, there seems to be a dual ownership there. So we are kind of in partnership with God in creation and in dealing with creation and interacting with creation. And that's very good reason um, to take care of it and care for it and pretty much do everything you would, Um, in the stewardship if you thought of yourself as a steward of the earth but just it recognizes more of the horizontal relationships and that you're in it with God it's not just like I better not mess this up because God trusted me with it because God's going to do his work whether you cooperate or not Um, and I think this is well shown in uh, Genesis 1.15 where it says he put them in the garden to cultivate and keep it that's probably better translated and understood as he put them there to worship and obey. So it's not just there we're like tilling the ground to, to you know make it flourish, but we're there to worship God through enjoying it and obey God. So there you can see some of the partnership elements as opposed to stewardship. Uh, any questions so far? Good. I think it's. I think it's cooler. The idea that God put us in the garden, or put man in the garden to worship and obey, yeah. as opposed to work and till. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> and it shows the original intent of creation. It's not just work. It's enjoyment of God's blessing relationship with him. Because um, one of the things we're going to talk about in the next six weeks is, weeks is that um, money and possessions are a good thing. That it's, stuff is good. But it's dangerous. But it is good. And you can see that from creation that it's okay to have things, that it's okay if God blesses you with things, so um, we want to gain an appreciation for that too, but first, just refocus, so the typical usage of the term steward in the Tanakh, there's a few people who are called stewards, Um, for example, uh, Joseph is made the steward steward over Potiphar's house, but that just, what did he do? He managed it. Yeah, he just managed it. He, he was like the head servant, looked after his money, his house, made sure everything was in order. And then a guy named Shebna in Isaiah is called a steward, but he does the exact same thing. So these stewards are literal, literally overseers, managing somebody else's money and possessions. But it's never used of God and man. Never used between God and man. Okay, so now's where we're going to start uh, diving into the text a little bit. So, can I have... Actually, can turn with me to Matthew 25. Because now we'll see what... Now that we have established that the Hebrew Scriptures um, use steward in the way of just a literal manager of somebody else's possessions, how does the New Covenant Scriptures describe it? So that's what we're going to look at today. And as you'll see... It can be literal, but also a metaphor. But a metaphor for what? Can I have somebody read 25 verses 14 and 15?
1: Uh, 12 For it will be like a man about to leave home for a while, who entrusted his possessions to his servants. To one he gave five talents, equivalent to a hundred... Sorry... A hundred years' wages, to another two talents, and to another one talent, to each according to his ability. Then he left.
0: Okay, so why am I using this verse? It doesn't say steward anywhere. Because they're stewarding the money. Yeah, no. because they were entrusted with it. And that's what you do with the possessions. That's what is the Greek
2: word the same?
0: Uh, if they're related. Okay. I don't remember the specific uh, relationship. But basically, the slaves are entrusted with the possessions. In the parable, but is this any different from how the Tanakh uses it? Uh, meaning, is is this any different than the case of Joseph and Potiphar? No, it's it's the same. Um, but because it's in a parable, does that mean that we all of a sudden become stewards of God's possessions? No, it's illustrating. Exactly, exactly. A parable just illustrates a point. Um, this passing mess or somebody. We were talking about parables and somebody said, you don't, the point of a parable is not to, for everything to make sense and you to agree with, or just for all the readers to say, that was a good thing that he did. Uh, they cited the example of um, the man sowing seed. Um, as a farmer, it makes no sense to sow your seed on, on the path. You're wasting your livelihood. So readers are supposed to say, well, that's foolish. So... Um, not everything is like one-for-one one relationship to us when we read read parables. Um, makes sense. So this is still not about believers and their money and their possessions. It's just same. It's it's an parable, same literal usage. Um, there are only two times in the gospel where gospels where um, the term steward is actually used. They are both found in Luke's gospel, um, which uh, we don't we don't need to turn to because of the same kind of idea as in Matthew, sorry, um, once the parable of the shrewd manager. Those, these are the only time where steward is actually used. But again, it's just of a literal manager of somebody else's possessions. There's no difference from the Matthew portion or um, Joseph and Potiphar. Okay? Though, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. This is probably the most typically used to say, look, we're stewards. Look, we're stewards of our money and possession. Because it actually does... This is... Because um, Paul uses this term a couple times, but we want to see how exactly he uses it. Um, so can somebody read verses 1 and 2? read it. So you should regard us as the Messiah's servants, as trustees of God's secret truths. Now the one thing that is asked of a trustee is that he be found trustworthy. Okay, so... The word trustee is the same word that's translated steward, typically. So, um, what are we trustees of? God's secrets. God's secret truth. Yeah. yeah. God's secrets. Does that have anything to do with money and possessions? No. Okay. So, does this verse support the idea that we're supposed to be stewards of money and possessions? No. no. Okay, but this is like the main, most widely cited one. Um, Turn then a couple pages to 1 Corinthians 9, verse 17.
2: Sorry, what are the secrets he's talking about? Um, Maybe it does. I don't know the context.
0: I think the greater context he's just talking about, um, like the gospel. hmm?
2: The gospel is a secret?
0: Yeah, Yeah. because in Colossians he talks about the secret of Messiah among the Gentiles specifically. He talks about how this great mystery is how the Gentiles have turned and are now in right relationship with God. So he so it's that not unprecedented. Secret. Okay, that's secret. All right, got you. Um, so a couple pages to fourteen thirty if you haven't found it. Um, can somebody read verse seventeen?
1: I have a reward but if I do it unwillingly I still do it simply because
0: I've been entrusted with a job okay so Paul has been entrusted with his job so that means we're trusted with money and our money and our possessions and in our workplace is that true? what is he saying in the greater context? what is Paul's job? to tell the good news to tell the good news to reveal the secret of Messiah to reveal the, reveal the good news of Messiah now, don't get me wrong, um, I talked to one of my professors brought up in class, um, all of our jobs and um, ministry opportunities and everything is a result of God's grace, so it is a gift from God, but it doesn't necessarily mean, or it's a gift from God, so recognize that, but in this context, it's saying you've been entrusted with, or he's been entrusted with the jobs, namely to spread the gospel, and as we'll see, this is consistent with the way Paul uses this term. So, <clears throat> and I was going to the, the reward isn't financial it's not that, that he's referring to there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty much just God's favor, and he's doing it willingly. Um, he does get a reward in eternity, but right. it's not like people are paying him. In fact, um, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he'll describe how because he's doing this, and we'll talk about this more later in a few weeks, but. Um, be, Because he's sharing the good news, and that's the job he's been entrusted to, he's ministering to people spiritually, he says, I have a right to be supported. I have a right for people to to support me. And by saying he has a right, in response, that pretty much means you have an obligation to support me. But does that give the idea of stewardship? What does it give the idea of?
2: partnership. However... If, unless your definition of stewardship is is mm. using God's money for the kingdom, <laughs> but again,
0: it's, yeah. Okay.
2: But if we're refocusing
0: the term on or on biblical terms, partnership can incorporate that as well um, without the problem. So, but you're right. So he ministers to them spiritually, and they bless him financially. So it's a give and take, and we'll talk about that in a bit. So turn to Ephesians summit. Somebody also turned to Colossians 1.25. And somebody turned to Ephesians 3.2.
2: I got Ephesians 3.2. Can you read it? I assume that you have heard of the work God in His grace has given me to do for your benefit.
0: Okay. I have Colossians 1.25. Yes. Okay.
1: I became a servant of the good news because God gave me this work to do for your benefit. The work is to make fully known the message from God. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, 125. I think did I say one five. I meant one twenty. That was right. One twenty-five.
0: 125. Oh. I may have the references wrong, but no, five is not right. Yeah, I meant 25. no. Maybe. Yeah, I think the versions are different. But here it just says that we've been entrusted to a stewardship of God's grace. So, and turn to Titus 1 7. Here's another usage time where Paul actually uses the word steward Um, Stern translates it as overseer Um, I'll read it this time for an overseer as someone entrusted with God's affairs must be blameless he must not be self-willed or quick-tempered, he must not drink excessively, get into fights, or be greedy for dishonest gain so in this discussion of um, elders of who's qualified to be an elder, who's qualified to lead in a community of believers he does call them a steward but what are they a steward of? What does an elder? Who does an elder? Affairs. Of affairs. Of affairs. Of, well, in the greater context, of specifically, God's flock. So, they're kind of a steward, a manager of um, the flock of God. So, and last but not least, we'll look at First Peter four, verse ten. Somebody
1: read? Um, okay. As each one has received some spiritual gift, he should use it as he should use it to serve others, like good managers of God's many-sided grace.
0: So, what are you a steward of? In this, what does First Peter say? Be a good steward of this. Um,
1: of your spiritual gifts.
0: Of your spiritual gifts. Yeah. So, as we'll see, um, you are a steward. But you're a steward of God's grace, um, the spiritual gifts he's given to you, and with the gospel. So you're entrust, what you actually are entrusted with from God is whatever special spiritual gifts you have, um, his grace, so his gifts, um, his spiritual gifts to you, as well as the good news. So you're obligated to share it, to spread it, because there is that... Um, but it doesn't say that uh, you're a steward of material goods. So the New Testament, the New Covenant uses steward metaphorically. That's your D conclusion number two. Is it uses steward metaphorically? Any questions, comments, disputes as we go forward? You're still
2: metaphorically.
0: Oh, metaphorically? <laughs> It must be right. Okay. Yeah, that's Every time I get asked to spell something on the board, I think I'm wrong. Or I'm worried I'm wrong. But I typed it out and the words didn't say it was wrong. So I can trust it, right? Okay. Any questions before um, to, uh, before we go on to the alternative option? Wait, in the, in the in the option?
2: old testament. Is the word story used metaphorically?
0: No. It's only used in those few cases with people who are actually managers of somebody's household. So it's used just as literally as in Yeshua's parables. But besides... So basically, both in all the scriptures, it's either used literal of somebody's manager of somebody's money and possessions or as metaphorical as this idea of God entrusting you with certain spiritual things like the gospel, His grace. And um, spiritual gifts. Okay? So now we'll look at the alternative option of uh, partnership. So turn with me, turn back to Romans 15 25 to 27. somebody read that we'll have to I'll have to clarify something Um,
1: but now I am going to Yerushalayim with aid for God's people there for Macedonia and Achaia thought it would be good to make some contribution to the poor among God's people in Yerushalayim they were pleased to do it but the fact is that they owe it to them for if the Gentiles have shared with the Jews in spiritual matters and the Gentiles clearly have a duty to help the Jews in material matters.
0: Somebody unpack for me what's going on here. What does he saying?
1: That the Gentiles are partners with the Jews in both the gospel and receiving it and responsibility of taking care mm-hmm. of
2: each other.
0: Mm-hmm. What, specifically, what does he say that they should do?
2: Make a contribution.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Support the well-being of the poor among Israel. Yeah, support. Yeah, he he. Uh, Paul establishes what's called the collection, um, which is uh, money to alleviate the poor among the saints in Jerusalem, to the poor among the Jewish believers in Israel, is what he's doing. And he says he says here um, that they were pleased to do it, but the mm-hmm. fact is that they owe it to them, that they had the ob- uh, obligation to reciprocate because they were reaped spiritual blessings from the Jewish people, which are... is what? The Messiah. the Messiah. They heard the good news of the Messiah. So in response, they are to give a contribution or, or to help them materially. Um, this word... I don't remember if I included it in later study. But the, the phrase, to make it some contribution, is better understood as establish fellowship. So establish a connection. So this financial com- contribution... Um, was to establish a relationship between Jews and Gentiles. And, in, and uh, as we, last semester we studied Romans, I think, last, uh, so spring slash end of winter, we studied Romans, and we know that one of the primary issues in Romans is Jew-Gentile relations, that there's a tension there. And so Paul sees the collection as one of the ways that this financial contribution will bring them into greater fellowship together. And so, but also, as he notes, um, this is your eye, that there's reciprocity in relationship. Um, That he sees in this that um, the Gentiles do it or should do it willingly, but they're also obligated to do it. They owe it to them as as part of this um, reciprocal relationship, as part of partnership, and as we see, it's a monetary gift. It's not just some ethereal um, gift. Um,
2: <laughs> so
0: reciprocity. Reciprocity. Uh, reciprocity. <laughs> or, uh, you can only use one syllable yeah. words from now on. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's wrong. Oh,
1: okay. I did oh, it okay. the same <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm really bad
2: at this Apparently, Apparently not it's bad. not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you just got the
0: last
2: two words right. So you're
0: not that bad. Yes. <laughs> and so, and then... Don't worry about... Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, is everybody ready? Okay. Um, in First Corinthians 9, 3-18, we're not going to read it. It's, it's kind of long. This is where Paul is defending his right to be supported financially for his work. He says... Um, I have, or he says that I have ministered to you guys spiritually. It is my right to uh, reap material blessings from you. To reap material. He cites um, both the talk that says, um, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading grain. Basically, don't uh, remove the feeding source from something that's doing work in its field. So, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading grain. And he also quotes Yeshua, who says the laborer is worth his wages, or earns his wages. So basically, people who do work should get paid for it, should reap material for it. And Paul, in this section, says, I have been working in spiritual ways from you, so I should reap a material blessing. He describes the give and take relationship with those he works with. However, as we'll talk about in later weeks, Paul Lays down this right because he doesn't want to burden them, but he does say, "Because I have a right to be supported, you have an obligation to, to support me." Um, the best example, however, of this partnership idea is in Philippians. Um, turn first to Philippians one five. Actually, can we? Can somebody read both four and five? One, four, and five.
2: whenever I pray for all of you, I always pray with joy, because you have shared and proclaimed the good news from the very first day until now.
0: Well, so I read the wrong thing. No, that's right. I did
1: read.
0: What? How does he describe them? What are they doing? Sharing. Sure. They're sharing with what? The
1: message of
0: God. Proclaiming good the good news. But are they actually with him on the streets when he's going around sharing the message with him? Probably not. Probably not. No. They're staying in uh, Philippi. But what, as he'll explain later, what they did do is they've been sending him money. They've been willingly sending him money. It's actually crazy that like, within two weeks of him leaving, they've already sent him stuff. So they're immediately just sending himself, and he says, you guys have have been sharing with me in my message because you have been supporting me. You have been helping me, so you have been helping uh, me proclaim the good news. So clearly an idea of partnership in there, that they are helping his ministry as he helped them. Make sense? Uh, Just flip then to chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. May have somebody read those?
2: And you Philippians yourselves know that in the early days of my work, spreading the good news, when I left Macedonia, not a single congregation shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, only you. Indeed, in Thessalonica, when I needed it, you sent me aid twice. I'm not seeking the gift. Rather, I am looking for what will increase the credit balance of your account.
0: Uh, 18 as well. 18,
2: okay. Um... I have been more than paid in full. I have been filled since I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant aroma an acceptable sacrifice, one that pleases God well.
0: Good. So this is so Thessalonica is where Paul goes after he leaves Philippi, and you see that they send him aid twice right after he leaves, and he says no no one else did this, and that and that's why in Philippians it's the only time he calls a congregation his partner. He says, you have partnered with me in sharing good news. Because they have been supporting him financially. They have been helping him further um, the kingdom. But what's even more interesting, I think, is, that, um, is how Paul describes their gifts. How does he describe it? And what, it, what is fragrant, fragrant aroma? What kind of language what is, is that? It's a sacrifice. And what was, what was a sacrifice a form of? Four
2: Worship.
0: Worship. So, what is he calling their gift to him? Worship. Yeah. yeah. He's saying, by supporting me, by partnering with me, by giving to it, you didn't realize it, but you were worshiping God. Um, we'll talk about the this later on as the time goes on. But the idea of giving to God, um, again, part of the stewardship paradigm, just carries this. But we neglect that giving to God, giving back to God, really... Is all about the horizontal. It's all about helping, furthering God's, using your money for God's will and furthering God's purposes, just like the Philippians were doing. They were assisting God, or assisting um, Paul, and so thereby their gift, their support of Paul, was an act of worship. I think that's pretty incredible. That they didn't even realize it either. Um, So, to sum up, to give you your blanks, the Philippians gave to Paul, so he states that they have a partnership with him because of their financial contribution. So, um, as we probably best shown in Romans 15 and in Philippians, that there can be financial sharing or uh, support and aid going on that establishes a connection between believers, that establishes fellowship, um, and that furthers the purpose of God, Um but there is a sense of reciprocity. They are also responding to Paul's uh, spiritual um, work that he's done among them. So the last uh, text that we'll look at is in First, first Timothy. First. Chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. I have a Yes. So you may,
1: and I'm saying this kind of jokingly, um, that a congregation or church can't come up and say, "Well, you're attending us, so you have to give us 10 percent or whatever number they say to give."
0: We'll we'll talk about the idea of tithing. Did I know next somebody week.
1: who had that happen? To we'll
0: them. we'll talk about the idea of tithing uh, next week. Okay. Because and then and we'll also I'll talk we'll, we'll also talk time about time. the idea of just giving in general. Yeah. Um, and there's important principles to note there like cheerful giving yeah. and giving uh, well, proportionally I, I believe in so.
1: tithing, but um, I don't know how I feel about somebody coming and saying you mm-hmm. coming to your house and sitting in your living room and saying you have to give us this much money so, yeah you know,
0: that's that's a little sketch the reason Paul, in Paul's letters in uh, 1 Corinthians 9 the reason he's saying I have a right to be supported in the greater context of the letter he's defending himself against these uh other apostles who have been kind of berating him and saying he's lesser, and he says, "I have just as much of a right to be supported as them." Um, actually, that's more in Second Corinthians where she does a similar thing. Um, he says, "But I, I, didn't take this. I didn't take money from you when I was with you." No, he uh, worked. Yeah, I know. yeah. And in First Corinthians nine, he's also showing the idea of laying aside one's rights because um, he talks about food sacrifice titles in the chapters around it. So chapter nine is him saying, "Look at me." I am obligated to be supported, but I didn't take advantage of that right. So there's a lot going on there. So okay, sorry, it's a sorry, little sorry. and comf- it's a little sketchy if somebody comes up to you and says you're obligated. You yeah, it just, yeah,
1: it just yeah, I just kind of re- mm. remember. Someone yeah. Telling
0: me that. Well, I think next week is when we'll talk about principles of giving and and such.
2: are you in a cult?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. No. I mean, false or something. No,
2: this false is religion. who is
1: going to were they oh, okay. the church. Well the person wasn't a believer to begin with. And so and he was making six figures, so he wow. was not happy that, yeah, that oh, so they, the were sitting, they were sitting yeah, okay. yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. but but the but the church I mean it's like one of the it's kinda like Presbyterian one of those things, but it wasn't but just the fact that they would do that, you know. I would really wonder about the, the leadership
0: there. Anyway, go ahead. Um, verses... Chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. Can somebody read those two verses?
1: The leaders who live love should be considered worthy of double honor, especially those working hard at communicating the word and teaching. The Tanakh says, You are not to muzzle ox when it is treading out the grain in other words the worker deserves his wages
0: mm-hmm. so in this context Paul 1st uh, Timothy 5 is a major chapter that Paul talks about uh, believers in money and we'll we'll look we'll come, keep coming back to it as the weeks go on but one of the things he says is your leaders your elders among you especially those who lead well and especially those who teach well and preach well that they're worthy of double honor and what does honor mean in this context not cash in this context it does because think about Yeshua says honor the emperor or Chris Peter says honor the emperor teachers do not get double honor (laughs) it's (laughs) unfortunate (laughs) though because a worker is worth his or deserves his wages which is you know directly from Luke's gospel Um, Yeshua says those words himself so saying those who work should be paid again seems like the idea of partnership Um, so a minister is earned by giving spiritually, so they should receive. So, um, we're going to look at a couple of theological principles, ideas behind it. Um, one of these is just, which is common if you know this, that this idea is prevalent in the ancient world. A lot of biblical passages will make a lot more sense. And one of these is social reciprocity. So, social reciprocity. Which is the idea that in relationships, in friendships, um, you give and take. That you do something for me, I'll do something for you. If I do something for you, I should expect that you'll do something for for me. So there's mutual mutual obligation between parties. Um, a great example of this is First Samuel twenty-five. Um, we're not going to turn there because it's like the whole chapter. But in that story, <laughs> it talks about uh, a wealthy man in Israel. Um, is uh, David does something from David like protects him. And then David asks him for something in return, like, hey, can you let my men stay here? And the guy says, no, go away. And David's response is, I am going to kill this man. But if, if you don't know the society, you're just like, oh, you're overreacting a little bit. Um, but no, this is a, a complete slap in the face. David has done something for this man, so the man pretty much owes him a response. Though um, uh, God ultimately kills the man. For, yeah. Abigail, anyway. Abigail sa- saves his husband, and David doesn't is uh, doesn't sin by killing him, and uh, God brings about vengeance and justice. But it's this idea that there is there is um, give and take in relationships. Now uh, Yeshua modifies this a bit; that he says you shouldn't expect this. Um, he, that's why he says you know invite the lowly to your parties. So you reach out to them, um, but that's more because he says you. You shouldn't act just because you should receive something. So you shouldn't be expecting something. Which then brings into the idea, which is number two, of triangulation. 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 Um, So this is what the part... As we saw in the partnership paradigm, um, we have another aspect. Aspect. This should be. Um, we know that this is missing everybody else. So in the in triangulation and partnership, you have a triangle, a concept. And so with social reciprocity, it's. I do something for somebody else, they do something for me. However, as you see in Scripture, triangulation gives the idea that um, if you do something for somebody else, you will get a reward from somewhere. So, but, um, turn to Proverbs 19.17. We'll look at where this uh, idea comes from. Because this is common in, in Scripture. Yeah, page 970. Can somebody read just verse 17? He
1: who is kind to the poor is lending to Adonai, and he will repay him for
0: his good deed. Good. So, he who lends to the poor lends to Adonai. Because God cares for the poor, God cares for for these people. And it says, he will repay him for his good deed. Who is the he referring to? God. God. But, so in the idea of triangulation, if you give to somebody else who is unable to pay you back, you have to be paid back from somewhere. And if they can't pay you back, where is it going to come from? God. Exactly. And who's going to give the better reward? <laughs> this is why Yeshua can say... Um, don't be like the hypocrites who pray in the streets to be recognized by men, by men. For I tell you, they've already had their reward. Because they have. They've gotten the honor and and from men. But he says, if you go into the closet and don't get recognition for what you're doing, God sees and God will respond. That's also why he says, you know, if you have a banquet, um, don't just invite people who can pay you back. Because if they can't pay you back, your reward has to come from someone. Comes from God, and that's a greater reward. So, I think that's really interesting. Um, all these passages kind of talk about this concept. Um, I kind of want to look at the Ecclesiastes passage. So, Ecclesiastes 11. Yeah, all right. It is page ten eighty-six. Actually, this is not the text I wanted to look at. (laughs) So never forget that this is actually not the passage I wanted to look at. But these are other passages that you can look and um, see the idea of uh, triangulation that um, their horizontal relationships really do matter. In terms of money possession. Because God sees and God interacts. Because if you're neglecting this person, God's taking care of them. And this isn't, this can, so you're, if this happens, so can, man. That's not very, we don't want that. You can have your relationship with God troubled based on your relationship um, with others. Make sense? So, any questions so far? Before we kind of wrap things up and just give you t- guys some time for reflection. No questions? Comments? So, uh, the paradigm of stewardship is not accurate biblically. Why not? Just give me some re- reasons. It's not, it's
2: the, there's no room for other people.
0: Yeah, it's... Too individualistic. It's too man-centered. God and God, my money and me, as opposed to me, my possessions, God, and others. Um, any other reasons? Just simple reason. It's taken out of context. Taken take out of context. Scripture doesn't use the word steward in this way. Um, we are stewards, but not of our money and possessions, because God hasn't entrusted us to them. He has blessed us with them. But there's a difference there. There's still, there's much, it's much more of the idea of partnership. Um, so we need to take into account uh, our horizontal relationships of money and possessions. And that we do, there are cases where we might have obligations to give and take in relationships, both spiritually and materially, even. Um, we'll impact kind of what this idea of partnership will look at or look like in um, the next few weeks. But on the back page, I just have a couple. Questions that I'd like you guys to take a couple minutes and just kind of reflect on, and maybe just jot some things down. And um, a lot of these are just uh, really just things to consider as we go forward. Um, I know we didn't get a lot of just like practical application, but we just want to lay the foundation for further study. Okay. At about eight thirty, I'll just I'll close this in prayer. Just another minute and then uh, we'll just wrap up. So as this week goes on I just really want to encourage you and challenge you guys to really uh, consider uh, how you've been um, looking at your relationship to money to possessions um, just evaluate your, your view of it in general because I'd love to hear some of your thoughts um, when we come back because we're going to hopefully try and uh, discuss how it's good to have things money and possessions are a gift from God and they are to be enjoyed and um, and uh, but also uh, it comes with some responsibility, and there is um, dangers to it. So uh, just consider these things as the week goes on, and um, just try and refocus our uh, understanding of this topic as we as we move forward in the next few weeks. And uh, any question, any last questions or comments? Yes. Good timing.
2: So I was meeting with
0: my financial advisor tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's
2: good to know. Yeah. Um, uh, well, i i I just want just to clarify so i I should not view that it's wrong for me to view that everything I have belongs to god no that's the, is that a stewardship no view no, no, no. we'll
0: we'll talk about it like next week. the idea that God owns everything and you own nothing is unbiblical okay. but the idea that but it is b- very biblical that God owns everything that's clear, okay. but okay. we'll just show later that. You own things too, okay. um, so <laughs> okay. just don't just look at it as this is God's stuff. Well, this is my stuff too. God has it's given so hard it to me. For me. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's weird. So hard for me. I don't yeah.
1: look at. There's very few
2: things that I consider just mine, like my pillow. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know everything else I'm like, oh, well, you know, I can share. It. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like everything
1: else I've got, it's paradox.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, and this one's probably gonna be. Uh, a little challenging because, like, when my professor brought this up in class, or for the first time he'd spoken on it in a chapel event, and I was just like, I, "That makes sense. What you're saying, I agree with." But everything, I this is just the paradigm I view money and possessions in the Bible is the idea of stewardship, and it was just like everything you say. I'm like, yeah, but that's I have to refocus, and it's it's hard to refocus and change and shift your your views. So, um, but hopefully, we'll walk away with a richer understanding. Professor Peterman. I, don't know who he is. I love that. It's really fun. But uh, we'll we'll gain an impre- greater appreciation, hopefully, from um, what God's blessed us with, um, our relation to that, our, to our relationship to Him, and our relationship to others.
1: Um, I like it a lot better approaching it as partnerships mm-hmm. and doing it from that. Um, as opposed to the stewardship thing. Where, yeah. You know, it's more like... It, it's For me, it's this distinction of taking something in mind or asking me for it. Yeah. Or so if you take it, I'm going to be really mad. But if you ask, I'll give you anything you want. Anything. See, that's, it's hard for me, because in my mind, stewardship seems spiritual,
2: and partnership seems like a business. And that's why it's like, I don't know, this is... This is uh, yeah. I mean, I understand I, the definition. I think it's because we're
0: used to like, yeah, you know. That's the idea of like shifting the language,
2: you know. <laughs> partnership. So you use yeah.
0: steward as purely
2: spiritual? Well, no, it, I, it sounds more spiritual.
0: Because you're managing God's goods.
2: It, you know, regardless of what the definition yeah. is, we're partnership. I, but every time I hear the word partnership, besides like in a marriage, I think of a business. Mm-hmm. You like know, a, team, just, like I mean, a televangelist? It should translate <laughs> as an uh, executor. It's <laughs> like the the, dude, the the guy the lawyer who basically um, manages the estate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what... an not exact- executor. Executor.
0: <laughs> 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 That's why I think the most uh, vivid picture of this is in Philippians, where he describes them as sh- partnering with him because they're they all they're doing is giving him money and support, and he's doing the the preaching. Yet he says you're you're partnering with me and sharing good news, and it's kind of that idea, you know, with with God and us, that um, you know there's a partnership there too. That for me it it uh, it also resonates a little bit when uh, we talk here if you think about if I think I'm just a steward of the earth, yeah, God God can fix it. <laughs> I mean, but if it's like wow, this is what I have, this is you know my stuff too. I probably am more likely to take care of it than if it's just God's stuff. so. To be
2: more green. Okay. <laughs> I
1: mean, when I think about partnership, though, I think of like partners as being
0: equal, kind of, and I, don't, I feel like yeah, I'm more like,
1: I'm not quite partner. like. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously employer there's... Employer, sort of, I don't
0: know. It's the idea of, it can be unequal partnership, but still yeah, partnership. Yeah. partnership. So God is definitely... Just <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, just kidding. kidding. I'm just kidding, <laughs> 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 Well, I think more of the partnerships as
1: like partnering with the bar and partnering with like tomorrow and Poland and partnering with my finances
0: that way. That's a good way view. Any other last comments, questions?
1: Do you always give when you see somebody and you're able to? I mean, you're standing in the
2: position or you're in the car, the ones in on the street, oh. you know.
0: We'll address um, we'll, we'll that in a couple of weeks. I <laughs> have <laughs> a funny story about that. My
2: wife only gives quarters. And I I'm will like, only give food. I'm like, dude, are you serious? We have, like, dollars of nickels, dimes, and pennies, like, sitting in the car. <laughs> like, they'll take anything. They don't take yes. just quarters. You can give them and all of the
1: change. <laughs> <laughs> and I give dollars. Oh, I have a... Thing. Oh, good for you. All right. There's, You're there's a better. girl at work who will only give the McDonald's gift certificates. I used to only give them muffins. <laughs> <laughs> Why would go and buy them coffee, but... Yeah, I don't give money because I in California, there's a lady with her kid on the street, which really bothers me. I get really angry when they have their kids with them. It's like, mm-hmm. you yeah, shouldn't be doing that. Much. But they're but out there with their kid. She has a sign up needs groceries. Yes. I'm on my way home from the grocery <laughs> store. I stop yeah. and I say, I have some groceries I can give you. She didn't want my groceries. She mm-hmm. wanted sure. cash. Sure. So that was the end of me it's giving cash. Yeah. It
0: takes a lot of discernment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, it's true that a lot of them use it for you know the wrong reason. Oh, well, but I feel but okay. I say to myself, you know, I, I really feel bad for them. And I say to myself, even if well I don't know, I'm not gonna follow them, see exactly what they do with it if they use it for food or drink or whatever. But I feel bad and then I say to myself, I'm giving out of my you know, heart it's not you know what they yeah. do with because I to be in that position to be out on the old streets begging, just in that position. I know some
2: people who actually keep a stash of like like boxed food in their car, like
0: small like items like peanut butter crackers or whatever. And when that, twink- so, like, stuff like that, like that's <laughs> <It's> healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and then whenever someone up, asks for money, money, they just yeah. give them food. Like as they're driving by. So because they say they want it for food, right? They're homeless. Yeah. I'm sure they'd appreciate food. They're really homeless. You know, so they actually give them food. You know, yeah. keep a
2: stash so of like... The
1: regulars on the- on my way to work Yeah. so then like
0: yeah. today it's so cold I'll go buy by on a cup of
1: coffee or something
0: so. right yeah. Yeah. but th- th- that's we'll, we'll start addressing topics like that like God's relationship or uh, what the Bible says about us and the poor and um, and similar topics like that so
1: well I did that once I said well I won't give you money but if you're hungry you want to go somewhere like McDonald's mm-hmm. I think that was the closest and they said um oh, Oh no, it's all the way, there. the closest McDonald's was like about four or five blocks. I was on a break from work to have mm-hmm. a car, you know, I mean, I couldn't go, I'll walk with them all the way down there. I mm-hmm. And I just said, well, just can't you, but I'm going to, you know, it was amazing. And then they were begging. So I said, yeah, I use it for food. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to follow them, but I just yeah. gave, them. anyways, I gave That's where the
2: awesome triangle comes in. Right? They took, and will probably not give back, but maybe God will give you some. <laughs> not necessarily your father, you <laughs> <laughs> your father in heaven sees. Your father in heaven sees. what's done
0: in secret. Even if they're using it for I'm God. I'm sure ninety percent of the time they're they're these guys ask them for cash. Right, so 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 right, yeah. 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 You
2: know, yeah, the real the thing is a better example. Is show don't show give,
0: give our in secret. That's what I meant to. Yeah.
1: Well, God's actually really looking at their
2: heart. Yeah. And that's that's the
0: idea of like giving in secret. It's Because your father in heaven sees what's done in secret in right. Um So even if they use it for drugs, you
2: had a
0: good heart. <laughs> we'll talk about that <laughs> in a couple of weeks. I like how you laughed at these. are see her next week, and it's going to be a good conversation. I, uh, I'm not interviewing. Yeah, I think, I think next week we're talking about uh, just giving tithing and giving principles. Um, I think you'll okay. be surprised. Anyway, uh, can somebody close us in prayer? Mm-hmm. I did that to (laughs) Aaron.
1: Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for um, Jason leading us today and for um, all the information that uh, we're learning about you and your principles, Lord. And and, um, I just ask that you would help us to apply this and come to you with our questions and, and seek you in. In learning and understanding this better, and I I praise you, Lord, for this day, and I ask that you would um, cause everyone to be safe as they go home tonight in the cold. And I just thank you, Lord, for this time and this opportunity to fellowship and learn about you in Yeshua's name.
0: Uh-huh. Might not actually be typing. Might be-